The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party, a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Mariana. I'm the co-founder of Summer Fridays, and this is the Life with Mariana podcast. In this week's episode, I've got Audrey Peters, and she's someone I followed on TikTok for a very long time, and it's been so interesting to watch her career. And I really love how she takes it so seriously as a business and her strategy behind her content, what she posts, the brands that she works with. And I'm so interested with the new generation of talent of how they work on TikTok, how they partner with brands, what their strategy is. So if you're looking to improve your own TikTok strategy, whether it's personally or professionally, you're definitely going to want to hear this episode from Audrey. And before we get into the episode, be sure to subscribe to my podcast because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to do this week's life update. So I feel like I've had a really great time recently and it's because I got to finally go on vacation. I'm so happy that I finally took a little bit of time for myself and really just relaxed. I had such a great time. So I was in France with my mom. We started in Saint-Tropez. We were there for about a week first. I owe you guys a travel guide. I will post it on my Instagram so you guys can see all the places I eat, where I stayed, what I did, so you can save it if you plan a trip there in the future. But we had such a beautiful time. It was so nice to just spend a few days with my mom and really just unwind. I read two books while I was there. I can't believe that I finished two books like completely. They were really great. The first book I read was Nora Goes Off Script. It was the perfect beach summer read. It was really light, very sweet. It was such a good read. I read that one in the first few days that I was there and it was like the perfect book you want to take on a vacation. I don't want to read anything that's too deep or anything that's too like I have to think too much. I really just want to relax and unwind and that was a good one. The second one I read is a really great book and actually was really special because I was reading it when I was with my mom. And it was one of those where I should have known from the title. It's called Things I Wish I Told My Mother. I I should have known that it was going to make me cry. And it did, but in a good way. It was about, you can tell this from the cover alone, but there's an Eiffel Tower. And it's about a mother-daughter trip to Paris. And I'm like, is this book about me? Like, uh, Anyway, by the end of it, I think it really just makes you feel gratitude towards your loved ones and the time that we have and the present moment and the experiences we have. And just realizing that our parents are their own people and that they go through their own things in life that make them who they are. So anyway, those two books were amazing. I had such a great time. It was beautiful weather. I ran into some friends when I was there and I really just relaxed. I checked into my emails once a day and I told my team like, I'm gonna check in 9 a.m. your time. I'm gonna do an hour of emails and if you need anything from me, it's during this time. So the rest of the day, I really could relax and be on vacation, which I never really allow myself to do. 
After that, I went to Paris for a few days and I went for couture week. So there's two different fashion weeks that happen during the year. It's ready to wear. It happens in the spring and in the fall. And then in the summer, there's um, couture weeks. These are only the houses that do couture clothes. So there's a few that do. And Chanel happens to be one of them. And it was my first Chanel. It was my first couture week ever that I attended shows. I've gone before during that time in Paris and went to events. But this is my first couture show ever. And it was with Chanel. Like I could not believe that I went. My mom rode with me there and she dropped me off in the car. Well, she wasn't driving, but she was in the car. And she said, before I walked in, she said, just enjoy the moment. And I'm like, wow, you know, that was such a good reminder because I'm really there to create content and share and post online, but I didn't just want to be on my phone the whole time. And so I took some videos and pictures on my phone and then I put it down and I was watching the show and I was thinking, I can't believe that I'm here in this moment watching this show with the view of the Eiffel Tower in the background, like I am so grateful to be here. These clothes are so beautiful. I had chills when I was just sitting there. Like I can't believe that I even get to experience this. And it was such a beautiful moment and show and great kind of end to my trip. And I had a really beautiful time in Paris with my mom. The weather was great. It was a very quick trip to Paris. And then I came back home and now I'm back in Los Angeles and I'm so excited. I feel like I'm telling you guys first-ish, which I We'll tell you a little bit of it, but not the whole thing. But I did a drink with Erwan last year. It was a smoothie. It was called Mariana's Coconut Cloud. And it was kind of the first viral smoothie at Erwan. This is March of last year. And it kind of just took on a life of its own. We had no idea that that was what was going to happen. Well, I'm coming back to Erwan again. So if you guys are in Los Angeles starting this Friday, July 14th through the next month, I'm doing something with them. So I won't reveal the whole thing because I don't want to ruin all of the plans and posts that I have everything coming up this week, but it is coming soon and it will be available at all the tonic bar locations at all the air in Los Angeles. So I hope you guys try it out if you guys are here. So that's my little life update. And now let's hear from Audrey. So if someone's listening, they probably know you from TikTok, but I want to know what even led you to TikTok. Where were you before? So were you creating content on Instagram, pre-TikTok to become an influencer content creator? So funny enough, I had always wanted to be an influencer. It was something that I had tried from the days that Instagram first started. Like take it back to 2013 when like Song of Style and Kiara Faragni were like the it girls. I mean, they are still it girls, but when they were like the, the hot new thing, like all I wanted when I was at boarding school was to be that, except I couldn't really get much content at boarding school. And I got really bullied actually for trying to like have a blog and like a fashion blog and post on Instagram. So I kept trying anyways. I got to college and between making friends and going out and studying and getting good grades, there was just no way that I was going to be able to keep it up. So I kind of let it go. Then the pandemic hit. And when work was slow at the time, I was working um, at Hearst Magazines. When work was slow during the pandemic, I had the time. And I thought to myself, like, TikTok is going to be the new Instagram. Like, this is my moment. I need to seize it. If there's any chance I get to do this, it's now. And I kind of just toyed around, posted a couple videos. I'm very lucky that one of my first went viral. I got 10,000 followers overnight and the rest is history. Wow, that's crazy. So what was that first viral video? What your favorite designer says about you and it no longer exists. Because at the time, I worked at the sales division for the fashion luxury collection at Hearst Magazine. So I worked with, you know, magazines like Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Mary Claire, Town & Country. And all of our clients were people I talked about in that video, like designers that I talked about in that video. 
And I didn't expect it to go viral. So the moment it did, I deleted it because I was like, oh my God, if my boss sees this or our clients like recognize my name from email, like nothing was bad, but I was just terrified that someone would see it. So I deleted it. Oh my gosh. And when was this on TikTok? Like when did you join? Fully like April, 2020. Oh, wow. So it was like very early. So I had downloaded TikTok like the fall of 2019 and I was just like passively watching it. At this point, it was like really just like dancing videos. And I was already like, okay, like, I don't know what I'm going to do on this app. And then pandemic happened and it felt like every single day I was just watching TikTok and consuming so much content. Was it the same for you? Oh, totally. I mean, like, I feel like everyone can resonate with that. Like what else was there to do? And I know at the time too, like now it's, you know, more normal that people want to be on TikTok and like, it's not like it was then, but how did you get comfortable putting yourself out there? Because I feel like the early days of TikTok, people were like, is this a dancing app? Like, what is this? And I feel like the people who were like you and who were smart and got on at the beginning were able to build really great communities for themselves. I would say that it's twofold. I would say that because it was something I'd always itched to do, I was comfortable Ever since I was a kid, my mom was like, she's going to be famous somehow. Like, I don't know how she is, but she's going to be. By any means, do I think I'm famous? No, but the point being, I'm comfortable on camera. So personally, I didn't have a super hard time being comfortable on camera, but I will say, I think that everyone's biggest hesitation with being on camera, and it's such a natural thought and reaction is, what are people going to think? I am so lucky that it was during a time where there was not a ton of social interaction because... If I were to try now, I will say, I think it would be harder because, you know, inevitably there are different groups of people that you always interact with and people always are, you know, even, even if it's in a nice way, people are talking about things and to hear someone's opinion when you're not ready to hear it, good or bad. It's just like, you don't want to hear it yet. Like you're just kind of putting yourself out there. You have no idea what you're doing. It was nice that because I was isolated at home, I couldn't even really hear opinions besides my best friends who were supporting me. For the most part, I obviously have some friends that didn't support me, but I will say it was easy in that it was something that I was always comfortable with. And I had the luxury of not really worrying about people's opinions face to face, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think some it's like so people are nervous about now. So like it's two parts. One is that they're nervous to even create the content because I think people are not comfortable putting themselves on camera. I think on Instagram, it's a little bit more forgiving because you can take a photo or you can post on stories, but you don't necessarily have to like entertain or talk or engage in the way that you need to on TikTok. And then it's like other people's outside opinion. So how do you get even comfortable creating TikTok content? Because it is so different from a static photo. Again, I think I'm a unique situation in that I am not the average looking influencer and I'm so okay with that. I don't care. I am not the average like Instagram model. So for me, it was the opposite. Like for me, my personality has, it's always been a double-edged sword, but for the most part, a strength. I have a very love-hate personality, but at the minimum, it's fairly entertaining, even if you hate me, versus like taking a photo was so much harder because I was never like a hundred pounds looking like Bella Hadid, as beautiful as she is. So for me, it was so much easier to talk into a camera and showcase my personality than it was to be like, so okay with my looks, if that makes sense, and take a picture and own that. Like, at least I knew I could be remotely funny or entertaining opposed to like, you know, when girls that look like Bella Hadid are posting like Instagram for me, that was a lot harder. Cause like, I'm not a Bella Hadid. Yeah. And then on TikTok, when you had that first video go viral, I think this is what I see happens a lot of times. Someone will have a video, it goes viral. And then instead of capitalize off of that, like it's this one video and then nothing happens. How do you take that one video 
and now turn it into a career? Like, what was your cadence after that? Like, what was your consistency like? It is completely strategic. So honestly, I think that a lot of the times people don't realize, and I'm sure you can resonate with this, Mariana, like it's very, very strategic. It's business strategy. You have to post as many videos as you can at first, you know, the more the merrier without allowing yourself to burn out. So post as many as you can a day, ideally at least three a day when you're starting out, unless you think you're going to burn out and run out of ideas. So don't do that. But, you know, as many as you can, and then pay really close attention to why one performed better than the other. Did you utilize more TikTok features? Like, were you answering a question? Did you use a trending sound? Did you use specific niche hashtags? What was the topic you were talking about? If it was like a talking video. And if that one performed better than the rest, if you were talking about shoes, make another video talking about shoes. Use even more niche hashtags. You need to be strategic in the way that you're looking at the performance of your videos. I want to actually do an episode about this, about habits and habit stacking and some other things that I've done that have really made a positive impact in my life. And sometimes it's the small things I do that really add up. And sometimes I feel like you just have to do things over and over again and you don't quite see the results. And then one day you're like, wow, this thing is really making a big difference. And one of those things for me is my hair. Sometimes small daily actions make a big difference. And when it comes to caring for your hair, a little goes a long way. So whether you're fine, medium, or thick, weigh is just your type, no matter what your hair needs are, volume, shine, or hydration. Their shampoos and conditioners are made to give your strands exactly what they need, helping you with multiple hair concerns to get you on your way to good hair days every single day. I love their products because they actually work for my hair and I like that they are really targeted to a certain concern. So if you have fine hair, there's a shampoo for that. If you need detox shampoo, if you're like me and you've been using a little bit too many products, there's something for that too. And I love how my hair feels afterwards. And then when I style my hair, that's when I really notice a difference when I'm using quality products from the shower to damp hair to styled hair. So if you're like me and you've been on a product binge, Detox Shampoo gives your strands and scalp a deep cleanse to bring it back to life while adding strength, softness, and shine. This special combination of clarifying apple cider vinegar and enriching keratin cleanses impurities, product buildup, hard water deposits, and more. Get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code Mariana15 for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code Mariana15. I want to know, like, what is your current TikTok strategy? Like, how are you thinking about this from a business point of view? And how are you creating content in hopes of working with your dream brands? So it's actually, wow, I'm going to reveal something that like I've never (laughs) really revealed I think that people tend to have this um, perception of me that I am just constantly shopping. And that is not entirely true, but there is definitely some truth to it. When I realized, you know, I made a shift into luxury around a year ago. I didn't really do luxury or fashion before that. I'm very lucky that one of my videos when I was kind of burnt out, that it was, I, I just kind of started posting a bunch of videos at a time trying to figure out what I would what my new niche would be. And, you know, my Chanel Polly pocket shoe took off. The series has over 50 million views. And I realized that like people like to hear about my shopping excursions and adventures. So, you know, of course I'm saving money. Like you have to save money, especially as someone in freelance, you never know when your next paycheck is coming. But at the same time, when I shop, I get such like spectacular views that it pays for itself and I'm investing in my business. So while I wish I was saving more, 
the way that I'm getting to working with my dream brands, I'm so blessed that I'm in a position where I'm able to afford some of those. And I'm investing in my company and myself by buying those brands and by showcasing to those brands, look, I can get you views with your shoes or your bags, whatever it might be that I spent my hard-earned money on. Yeah. So, like I think for you, it's really like a return on something. Like you're not just shopping to have something for yourself. You're shopping because you're saying, okay, then when I pitch myself to a brand, I can send them a link to this video. And just like other businesses have overhead or they have costs for their businesses that are associated with it, your cost happens to be an item that you wear. It's just a different kind of cost than I think other businesses usually occur. Totally. And I so understand that it is not conventional. It is not the norm. I'm very lucky that that's my job, but that's definitely a very large part of it. That's a large part of my strategy. You know, again, I also pay attention to what performs well. People love when I'm trying to find, you know, a really rare designer item that is hard to get your hands on. So instead of just hunting it down alone and, you know, one day making a video about it, I take everyone along for the journey because they seem to love the journey. I versus love I love watching them, but I found it, you know? So it's, it's all very, it is all very strategic, although I'm sure it does not, it is not perceived as that. And for other creators who have hopes of working in fashion or luxury brands on social, do you have any tips for them of how to get on brands radars on TikTok? Yeah. I mean, do what I'm doing in the sense that like, it doesn't have to be, you know, Chanel, but like, if you're dying to work with, you know, princess Polly or ASOS, like, you know, do a princess Polly Paul, you know, don't do it all the time. Like obviously don't wear yourself too thin and go broke, but like what you can afford do a princess Polly haul. Like even if it's not a haul, you know, do a wish list. I've done multiple, you know, whenever I'm not in a position of affording something, I, I resort to my wish list videos because I'm still, you know, discussing how much I love the brand and the views for me personally still do really well. So I would figure out what you think is going to work best for your audience and incorporate talking about that brand one way or another. And then do you think it's better, and which I think it is because it's a type of content you do, to create original content versus trending content? Because then trends, you're kind of relying on the algorithm and the trend to push you out versus people feeling related to you personally? I think it's dependent. I think it's really hit or miss. Sometimes if you do, if you participate in a trend and it goes viral, you could get followers from it. But more often than not, trends get you views, not a community. Mm -hmm. So I would do your best to find your niche, as silly as that sounds. Everyone's always saying, find your niche, find your niche. But it really is so true. Find your brand, find your niche, make content surrounding that instead of focusing on trends. If you want views of, and you have a funny idea, of course, participate in a trend. But I would not rely on that to build a community. And you've been on TikTok for three years now, and I feel like it's evolved so much since then. So what does it take today to be successful? Like, what do you see working for people? You know, it's funny. I think everyone thought of like this clock app originally as this like dancing app. And, you know, there are very, very few brands that will allow brand deals to be like dance. People have completely, brands have completely veered away from that. You know, there are very, I, I, maybe it's just my For You page. I don't even see people dancing anymore. In fact, like I can't tell you how many times I'll hear from brands. Like you have to be talking into the camera. If you're not talking to the camera on TikTok, we won't work with you. Because the whole selling point of TikTok is that it's so much more authentic than any other platform. And a large part of that is talking into the camera. Mm. 
And then how many videos do you film a day or a week? Do you have like a number that you do? I film in batches. So I will do my hair on a specific day, film for the week and kind of be done. Unless of course something comes to me on the spot and then I'll film something. Previously when I was starting, I did like three to five videos a day. Oh my gosh, I had wow. horrible burnout after like a year. I'm very grateful for that burnout though, because it's what shifted me into doing fashion. However, now I tend to do one video a day, max two. If it's two, it's most of the time a trend and then like a talking to the camera video. Like rarely will I do like two talking videos, but I, I do sometimes. And are you filming in TikTok or filming in your camera? So this is just a personal preference. I prefer to film within the TikTok app because iPhones are have such a high clarity that I just don't love the way my pores are advertised. So I like to film within the TikTok app personally, but that's just a preference. And is it faster than for you to edit because it's just basically already clipped together in there? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think it's easier too. Like it's so much easier because I could just press like record and it's like a few seconds versus if I film it in my camera, then I have to get then go into another app and then I have to edit everything together. And it just seems a lot faster to do it in the app. And I feel like TikTok likes them better when you film them in the app. So there are rumors that like your video will be more pushed if you film within the app. I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, again, I film mostly in the app and my videos perform okay, but like I'm no Alex Earl. Like I have no idea about so no. <laughs> films within the app or anything, but I know that TikTok is rolling out a feature where you're now able to save without the watermark, which is really exciting. Oh, I, I don't have the update yet. And I keep hoping that it's there and it's not there yet. And I yeah, really love it. I don't think anybody has it yet, but I'm dying for it. So I want to talk a little bit more about your career pre TikTok because you were working at Hearst at the time. And I truly believe like every experience job interaction you have leading up to something, you learn something from that. So what did you learn at your Hearst job that you applied to your current job as a creator? So what a great question, because I was just talking to somebody about this when, so I was working at Hearst for the fashion luxury collection as a sales assistant. So I was not on the editorial side. Like I was not on, you know, the side where there's a fashion closet. Like I was not working in the fashion closet as an assistant. I was, I was essentially assisting the sales team. So for instance, let's say Gucci was doing an ad on Harper's Bazaar's Instagram or on Harper's Bazaar's website. I would be facilitating that with my boss. And by facilitating, I mean like literally CC'd on emails. And it was a great experience. It actually could not have been a better background for what I do now, because I think what people don't realize is that any really successful influencer with longevity is essentially in a sales position. And I think a lot of influencers end up not succeeding because they're not treating their position as a sales position. You are pitching yourself every single day. You're creating content around selling yourself every single day. If you are not building relationships, and making friends with your clients, you're doing it wrong. Like I have become such good friends with so many of the people that I work with, not because I want their business, but because I genuinely love them as people. They're like coworkers in a sense. Like I'm very lucky that there are so many amazing content creators in the space that I consider like my coworkers. At the same time, I get a whole other pool, which are my clients that I'm like, have so much in common with. We have so much fun and I've made such amazing friends through the experience. And it only is beneficial to me and my clients, because my clients, you know, end up having someone who has great performing ads that they can rely on. And also, you know, I can do them favors. I scratch their back, they scratch mine. 
And also like I get business, like it's really beneficial. And I really think that my background being a sales assistant is what made me knowledgeable of that. Like seeing my bosses take out clients to lunch and, you know, arranging those lunch meetings and seeing how they treated the relationships with their clients was so critical to me. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize, especially influencers. Yeah, because I think in the influencer content creator space, there's so many people and there's so many people at brands, there's so many creators. So it's really important to have that one-on-one connection with people so that when someone is thinking about, you know, booking talent for a campaign, you're top of mind. Totally. Absolutely. And then I want to go to like content creator slash influencer, because you were saying like, you are influential because your job is to essentially be a salesperson and sell something. And then when I think of content creator, it's like you're creating content, but maybe you're not selling something. But then being an influencer is because you are good at influencing a group of people to do something, to buy something, to go somewhere. So what do you think makes an influencer influential? I think that it's all about being trustworthy and authentic. If you're going on TikTok and every five seconds gasping, at a beauty product, no one's going to believe what you're saying. It's very clear you're doing it for a check. No, no one I'm friends with does that. You know, your word is everything when you're an influencer. So I think a lot of the reasons that brands are attracted to me and I'm brand friendly is that I am not afraid to voice my opinion. I say things that I don't like. I say it like it is. Everyone knows that I have no problem, you know, speaking my truth. So I think that's what's invaluable in being an influencer, content creator, and salesperson because a smart content creator will integrate all of the above, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then how are you measuring your success outside of views? Like, is it from your affiliate sales? Are you using like certain links? Like what are, what are your like personal success goals? Oh God, it's so hard. I mean, it, it, it changes all the time. I think for me, like I'm a, I'm a very goal oriented person. So at the very beginning of every year, I always have like a list of goals I want to achieve for the year and brands that I want to work with. I'm very hard on myself. So if I'm like, if I, I don't really check the list until the end of the year. However, I do mentally check it, even though I'm not like quite literally looking at it for me, you know, if last year I got through my entire list of brands that I was dying to work with, or most of them, if I don't, surpass that this year in terms of like, if I got through five, I wanted to work with last year. If I don't get through seven this year, like I'm a little disappointed, but at the end of the day, I think I'm most hard on my engagement. If I'm, if I don't have a great engagement, it, you know, makes me sad because I think a lot of people measure it by follower count. And of course I would love a million followers who wouldn't, but those million followers are absolutely useless if you don't have a good engagement. So the ultimate measure of my success is probably my engagement, but on a deeper level, I'm definitely thinking about my larger list of goals and if I'm achieving it. And then what are your content creator goals long-term? Like, is it to continue to be a content creator? Is there certain brands you want to work with? Is there a certain job you want to have? Do you want to start your own brand? You know, in terms of far future, like four years plus, I think there are different directions I'm considering. I haven't figured out which one I want to take. I don't know if I'd ever do reality TV. It's something I've thought about. I lean towards no. Maybe I'd love a podcast one day. I don't think I'm quite there yet, but that's something that I'd consider far more heavily over reality TV. Although I know my followers would love for me to be on reality. I think eventually I'd like to do YouTube. It's a totally different vertical for me, but it's something that I'd like to achieve. And then otherwise near future, just specific brands. I'm like just absolutely like dying to work with. Like 
Christian Louboutin's a big one because I genuinely wear their shoes every single weekend. Jimmy Choo, exactly the same. I wear their shoes every single weekend. When you were on their trip, I was like crying the entire time. I was like filet queen, but also like, I wish I was there. <laughs> I mean, it looked amazing. Good for you. There are so many other brands. You know, Chanel's obviously one. Louis Vuitton's another one. There are tons of brands that I want to work with. And that's kind of more where I'm going the next like couple years. Valentino is a huge one. Amazing. I feel like these are all on your radar. It's like all everything that you're already supporting organically. And I think that's really important for creators. Like if you want to work with a brand and it's a dream brand, then make sure you're creating content around those brands. And then if you aren't able to buy products from them, just like you said, like make a wish list. Like these are seven Valentino bags I wish I could buy right now. And then at least there's something to show those brands that you have interest in them. And I think it's so much easier to pitch yourself if you can consistently show that you're showing and talking about them. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you can only afford like one pair of shoes, make a hundred videos with that one pair of shoes. You know what I mean? Like you can only afford one Valentino bag, get one Valentino bag, make a million videos with that bag. They'll eventually pay attention. Someone will. So if you guys want to shop a little summer sale, Macy's is bringing Black Friday to July. Yes, there is not a turkey in sight, but they're bringing those big savings you know and love. From July 6th to July 12th, get an extra 25% off everything you need to refresh your closet and space this season. They've got everything from swimsuits, cover-ups, and totes to get you head-to-toe ready for the beach, barely their makeup essentials, barbecue must-haves like patio furniture and grills, and so much more. And if you're shopping for summer, here are some of my favorite things. So one of the things I love every summer is anything raffia. So any shoes, bags, totes that I want in this material, it is my favorite. I don't know what it is about it, but I gravitate towards anything for this all summer long. There's a pair of shoes by Coach. It's called the Bobby Woven Slip-On Platform Sandals. I love these and especially love a platform because it feels really comfortable and easy to wear with so many different outfits. Something else that's also that same straw kind of material is this Vince Camuto bag. It's called the Livy Straw Shoulder Bag and it's got a really cute black detail. And it's not summer without a pair of sunglasses. And I love a good investment sunglasses that I just know I can wear with every single outfit. And living in Los Angeles, I end up wearing sunglasses all year long. This pair from Prada, I feel like it's the go-to style of the season. Everybody's wearing this one. It's called the Prada Women's Sunglasses PR17 WS. It comes in a couple different colors, but the black colorway is really chic. And if you need a new summer scent, try the Prada Paradox Perfume. I love the notes of this. There's neroli and amber and musk. Check out Macy's.com now to score great Black Friday and July specials. Some exclusions apply. See Macy's.com for details. I feel like you're so busy. You have so much going on between Instagram, TikTok, creating content, working with brands, doing all of these things. And how do you keep yourself motivated? Because I think one of the hardest parts of being a creator is a lot of times we work by ourselves with maybe one person. We have no like normal schedule or cadence and there's things that happen day, nights, weekends. So what is your like self-motivation like? Like, how do you keep yourself on schedule? It's twofold. I think one, I'm a workaholic. Like I love working. I think a lot of people say that they work to live. No, no, no. I personally live to work. Like I've always been like that. I love working. I'm so passionate about, I've always been passionate about working. Like I would say besides content creation, my favorite job I've ever had was working retail. I loved working retail, but generally like I just love working. So I wouldn't say I have a super hard time keeping myself on track just because I, I get very bored. I like to be doing something. But on top of that, I have an amazing team. My team is always motivating me. They're always helping me keep on schedule. I have an amazing manager and you know her assistants and coordinators that I work with very closely. You know, They're always asking me, 
they're like, oh, we've seen a lot of pitches and a lot of interest with other people on the roster about a product like this. You should make a video with that. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. You know, knowledge to have that these products are, you know, really being pushed right now. I can totally make a video with something like that. It's all very strategic. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, creators feel like, oh, well, I don't want to give this away for free, but it's also our job to create content for people. So it's like, if you genuinely like the product and have it already anyway, like it's not creating for free, it's creating content for your followers. And then it's also hoping to work with this brand too. So I never think of it as like free content. Totally. And I also think like, you know, there are certain brands, you know, things come for free and there are certain things that they don't, you know, like you cannot expect someone like, Valentino to hide, like to work with you, like any brand like that to work with you when you've never said their name before, because it would also be inorganic. It's more like, you know, you're fit. It's so natural that they'd eventually start working with you after you've talked about them, if that makes sense. One of the hardest things I think, especially for a lot of young people and they're getting on TikTok now is comparison. I think even amongst peers, you're like, oh, this person's working with this brand or have this many views. How do you deal with comparison with having your life online? You know, I think that a lot of people think that I was always confident and that I've always, you know, had this confident attitude. It could not be further from the truth. I think honestly, until my career took off with TikTok, I wouldn't say I was particularly insecure maybe a year or two before my career took off, but a couple of years before my career took off, I was so incredibly insecure. It took so much work. It was something I had to work at actively every single day. It was not easy. It required a lot of therapy. It required a lot of looking in the mirror and self-reflection and honesty. As far as comparison with other creators goes and just life, if you look at life as a competition, you're never going to get anywhere. Like, of course, it should be friendly competition and inspiring. Like, you know, I see my friends like Davis, who's going to the Oscars and it inspires me. Do I personally aspire to go to the Oscars? I'd love to go. Is that at the top of my list? Like, no. However, it is so inspiring that it reminds me of what I want to achieve. And if you're thinking to yourself of it as competition, I find in my personal experience, I've seen creators come and go from when I was younger. And now I know more and more about them, even if I didn't know them personally and creators I know personally as well. If you see it as competition, you're going to fail. Like if you don't see it as there's room for everyone, there is so much money in all these brands. Like if you don't see it as there's room for everyone, you're going to fail. You should yeah. be using other people succeeding as inspiration. Okay, maybe they got that brand deal that maybe you were pitched for and you didn't get. Okay, how are you going to get the next one? Good for her. She slayed it. She deserved it. How are you going to get the next one? Yeah, and how are you going to earn it? Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I always think of it as like, if I see somebody else doing it, that means like I can too. Cause like we're all in the same place. Yeah. We're all able to create content. So I'm like, okay, this means that this brand actually works with creators, which is already a good step for all of us, because that means they're actually open to working with people like me. Exactly. And one of the things that I think really pivoted your career was when you felt burnout with creating content. And I know a lot of people struggle with creator burnout. So what were some of the things that you did that helped you in that time so that you could not feel so overwhelmed by everything. And I think we also have like the scarcity mindset as being creators. Like you want to say yes to every event. You want to say yes to every job because we don't know like what's coming up next. Totally. I think I essentially had to start from scratch. I was very lifestyle, like New York city comedy before I did fashion. Obviously now I'm so fashion centric, but you know, there were only so many jokes I could make about Murray Hill. Like the joke was dead. It was over. Like I could not keep making fun of Navy sheets and finance boys. Like it was done. So when I experienced the burnout, I kind of just started from scratch. And 
I kind of just started doing a bunch of random videos talking about random things and seeing what worked well and what didn't, what videos performed well with views and what didn't. And I remember I did one video on like, I did a day in my life that didn't perform as well. I thought I hadn't done those in a while. Should I start those up again? That didn't do very well. And then I did the video about the Polly Pocket shoes that got 8 million views. Like it was very clear I should be talking about shoes and bags and fashion. So I really just, I think you start from scratch, honestly. If you can't figure out what to talk about online anymore, start from scratch. Just start talking about a bunch of things that genuinely interest you as a person. The one that performs best, run with it. Go to events a little less. Be more strategic about, you know, if you don't really want to work with the brand, then don't go to their events. And I think something that makes people nervous too is like you had this one type of content and you had built an audience around one thing and then you pivoted to something else. How can people take that fear out of, okay, I want to actually change my content completely without losing this existing audience? Or do you kind of have to be okay with maybe you lose a little bit, but you gain more in the long-term because this is your long-term goal? I think the latter, because at the end of the day, of course, I understand if someone follows me for my humor and if I'm not being funny enough with fashion anymore, I still get it. That is not what you originally signed up for. However, from a business standpoint, you have to pay rent. So whatever you think you can make the most content about for forever, you got to run with that. So if you are going to lose followers in the meantime to gain in the long term and be able to sustain your living in the long term, then you have to make that temporary sacrifice. Amazing. Well, I feel like this was such great advice for people and they learned a little bit more about you. And I love that you think of everything as a business and all the strategy behind your content. So where can everyone follow you on Instagram and TikTok? So on TikTok, I'm at Audrey Peters. And on Instagram, I'm at the Audrey Peters. I'm not a narcissist. Audrey Peters is taken. I've tried getting it and I can't. So it's the Audrey Peters. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.